The word of the Lord through the Apostle Paul. If anyone else thinks he has reason to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee. As for zeal, persecuting the church. As for legalistic righteousness, faultless. But whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his suffering, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow to attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward. In Christ Jesus. Good morning. Thank you, Steve. Let us pray together. Our Father, we come this morning as your people, and we invite you to come and meet with us by your Spirit. In fact, if your Spirit does not meet with us, what we are doing is in vain. So come. And work powerfully in our hearts. We ask that you would comfort those of us who are afflicted. And that you would stir up those of us who are complacent. Be our encourager and our motivator. Meet us right where we find ourselves today. That we might love you more. That we might see you better. We pray in the matchless name of our powerful Lord Jesus. Amen. The year was 1951. The date was June 25th, and the world was about to change. CBS broadcast the first TV program in living color, but most people couldn't see it. Do you know why? They had black and white TV sets. In fact, um, the first RCA color TV cost $995, just about enough to buy a new car. That would be equivalent today to about $7,000 for a color TV. So there are things that we shouldn't be complaining about also. Um, Let me ask you, how do you live your life? What's your perspective on life? Do you live life in full color with an awareness of what's truly going on around you? Or is your view of life handicapped by living it in black and white, 
catching only glimpses of what's happening. Some of you just sent your precious child off to college. Maybe by the time that child left, he or she was not so precious. Um, Imagine getting this letter from the child. This is a note from a young lady who had some problems going on in her life and she knew that she needed to communicate them to her parents. Um, She knew that they were not going to be happy about it. So she thought and thought and thought, and this is what she communicated. Dear Mom and Dad, Just thought I'd drop you a note to clue you in on my plans. I've fallen in love with a guy named Jim. He dropped out of high school a while back and recently left his wife. We've been hanging out for a couple months and plan to get married in the fall. Until then, I've decided to move into his apartment, and I think I am pregnant. At any rate, I dropped out of school last week, although I'd like to finish college sometime in the future. And then she continued on the next page. Mom and Dad, I just want you to know that everything I've written so far in this letter is false. None of it is true. But Mom and Dad, it is true that I have a C in French, And I flunked math. And it is true that I'm going to need some more money for my tuition payments. From the right vantage point, even bad news sounds pretty good. (laughs) Sometimes we need another perspective than the one that we have. And I want us to look at life clearly this morning with good and accurate and truthful perspective. We will deal with the past and the present And the future, in fact, we're going to look at the life of the Apostle Paul as he dealt with his past, which was not always pretty. And he dealt with his present. He was sitting in a Roman prison. And he dealt with his future, which should give encouragement to all of us. But what's your perspective today? The reality is that as a group gets together like this, probably half of us in a given week have hearts that are broken and troubled. Some of you tossed and turned most of the night and sleep would not come. There's something in the pit of your stomach that is aching that you're so concerned about. You feel that you're going to jump out of your skin with anxiety. The issue that you're worrying about, they just seems like it won't go away. You think you've given it to the Lord to realize once again that you're dwelling on it. Some here have tried to rid yourself of the pains and the wounds of the past. But you look in the mirror and the scars are there. Maybe no one else sees them, but you do. Not that long ago, perhaps you had hope, but the events and the incessant nature of life just keep coming and it's overwhelming. Let's consider the life of Paul in Philippians 3. It's so easy for us to read Scripture and to think that surely Paul could never understand the stress that we live under. When in reality, it's probably harder for us to understand the stress that Paul lived his life under as he's chained and bound in a Roman jail. As I live life... And as I deal with myself and with my, with, with my friends and many other people, I'm reminded, just like Paul was chained and bound 
So many of us live life being imprisoned by our past with the hurts, the pains, the mistakes, the regrets, the sins, the guilt. Maybe even we are bound by the prison of our successes. Hendrickson, the great New Testament commentator, in fact, he's the one Dr. K finished his commentary series. Hendrickson says that even our gloating over past successes is an enemy of spiritual progress in our lives. And Paul certainly lived that. At the same time, we often are so fearful of the future and what it holds that we're paralyzed and we're not able to function. Here's my premise this morning as we meet together. When we are imprisoned by the pains of the past and we're paralyzed by the fears of the future, we actually miss living life today. We are looking backwards and we're looking forwards and we're missing what's going on now. We're missing some of the blessings that the Lord has brought into our life. We're missing responsibilities and joys. We're missing some of us seeing our children, the precious little ones, grow up. And you know what? We miss growing ourselves as we should. I had one good friend tell me this week that there was no way I could stop him from looking at the past and dwelling in it. And you know what? I can't. But perhaps God and His Spirit can. Paul gives us some insight into how we can move forward with our life when life seems to have lost all meaning, when our hearts are breaking, when our confidence and our courage are shattered, when we're feeling so tired and so all alone, when we can't make sense of the past and we're terrified with the future. Paul steps in and he tells us his story. Philippians 3, beginning with verse 6, Although I myself have confidence in the flesh, if anyone else has a mind to put confidence in the flesh, I far more circumcised the eighth day of the nation of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law of Pharisee, as to zeal a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness which is in the law, found blameless. Paul is looking into his past. And Paul put confidence in his heritage, who he was, and what he had done. Paul put confidence in his zeal. And Paul put confidence in his own righteousness. Blameless in relation to the law, he says. Missing even the arrogance of his own heart. Paul's view of life was radically changed after coming into relationship with Jesus. Paul could no longer place his hope in the merits that he had claimed for so long. Verse 7, For whatever things were gained to me, I have counted loss for the sake of Christ. Paul is writing to a church with people thinking that who they were and the things that they actually did put them in right relationship with God. And Paul had learned the truth from verse 9 that there is no righteousness of his own derived from the law, but that righteousness comes from Christ on the basis of faith. Do you get what he's saying here? It's so easy for us to miss it. Paul had the right pedigree. 
He studied at the right place. He had the right zeal and attitude, according to the religious leaders of the day. And all that did not serve to put him in right relationship with the Father. For Paul, and often for us, relationship with God is defined by heritage and zeal and our own behavior and actions. We are doing those things believing deep down that we somehow are gaining a righteous standing before God rather than trusting in the righteousness of Jesus that He gives to us. Paul's righteousness did not come from who he was or what he did. It did not come from his genetics or his keeping the Jewish law. Paul was given the righteousness of Christ through Christ Himself. What merits do you still cling to? Can you relate to Paul? If most of us are honest, we really can. Because we put merits in certain things. What a perspective, though, Paul has here. As he has all these outward things that he could boast in, but he says that they are nothing in view of the tremendous privilege of knowing Christ. Paul experienced and lived the wonder of knowing Christ. Verse 7, For whatever things were gained to me, I have counted loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. Verse 10, That I may know Him. Paul, even after 30 years of knowing Christ, in counting all those things which he has given up as rubbish, as nothing for the honor of knowing Jesus. His life was radically changed by the power of knowing Christ. But the early Christians did not believe that Paul had changed. He was their persecutor. He was feared. The gospel, though, comes in and it changes everything. Paul's story goes from darkness to light. Jesus was writing a story in Paul's life, and he writes a story in our lives, ongoing, chapter by chapter. Some people can't believe the changes in us, and for some, they want more changes. But Christ comes, and He brings healing, and changes start. And by His grace, they continue. Some have heard me tell the story of Fernando, at the Acapulco Children's Home. Some of us were there about a month ago. He came to that home as a young boy. He did not talk. He would not make eye contact with anyone. You could not touch him. He was angry, and he was mean, and he was scared to death. The neighbors who brought him told the people who directed the home, that he had been tied to a tree most of his life. And they released him and they brought him to the home. The changes in Fernando over the past years are dramatic. But those changes started when Janet Yost went down. Many of you know Janet. She speaks Spanish. And most of the people who go there feel an attachment toward one of the cute little kids. And Janet said, I speak Spanish. I want to get somebody that really needs me to come alongside of them. 
And so she chose Fernando. Well, for a couple years of our visits, she would sit beside Fernando and he wouldn't talk to her. He wouldn't have anything to do with her. About three years ago, one of the workers at the home, a dear lady who loves the children dearly, came to me and said, Joe, um, I need to talk. I need to confess something. Well, I wasn't used to receiving confessions in Mexico, but I said, okay. And she said, I'm ashamed to tell you this, but when I started working here, I thought that Fernando was an animal. I did not think there was anything human about him. But because of Janet and Paul and your group coming year after year and loving Fernando, I have seen God change him. Fernando came to know the Lord Jesus. When time came to make papers for Fernando, because everyone who's in the home has to have government registration. Um, Fernando didn't have a last name. He didn't have a birth date. And so the directors of the home asked the children, what should Fernando's last name be? And they said, well, the only time we see him happy is in chapel when he's singing praises to the Lord. So on Fernando's official documentation ID papers... His full name is Fernando Alleluia. Fernando Hallelujah. Fernando is a happy young man. The power of God and knowing the Lord Jesus has changed him. My point here is that God keeps working on us, just as He did on Paul. In fact, the update that none of you do know is that um, about two years ago, Janet and Paul were there, and they wanted to take on the sponsorship of a couple more children. They wanted Rabiel and Leo. And so they knew that they needed to talk to Fernando. They went to Fernando and said, Fernando, you know that we love you and that you're our um, first child, and we would like to take on a couple other children to sponsor. Well, a long story short, Fernando did not talk to them for the rest of the trip. This last year, when Paul and Janet went, he met them at the bus. And for about two days, he begged them to please sponsor Grabiel and Leo because he wanted to be their big brother and take care of them. That I may know him, Paul says. The gospel changes us when we know Jesus. What about you and me? Do we view knowing Christ as such a great honor and privilege, so much so that we do not lament those things which we have given up, whether it's lifestyle or time or resources or relationships? Or the question might even be asked, have we had to give up anything to know Christ? Today we have 15 people laboring in the mountains of Oaxaca in Mexico, um, doing medical clinics. And they're ministering with people who will be shunned by their families and communities when they call themselves followers of Christ. Next month, we have a team going to the Middle East where new followers of Christ are shut out of jobs and sometimes families, and sometimes they're persecuted by others. 
all of us should be maturing in Christ. And we have to ask ourselves, do we drift from that relationship with Him, that love relationship, that wonder? And do we just play Christianity? It is so easy for us to do. Some of you this weekend went to a football game. In fact, some of you went to more than one game. Um, How much zeal did you have for your team? I love sports. And yet I have to ask myself sometimes, um, why can't I have such a zeal? Whether it's expressive outwardly or in the quietness of my own heart for my Savior who has given all for me. Paul had this wonder, an amazement at knowing Jesus. What about us? Do we long to have that same passion in knowing Jesus and living in vital relationship with Him? Discipleship. You hear us mention it around Orangewood. And it's not just simply following a list of rules or doing more activities. Discipleship is about knowing Jesus better. And that's what we are encouraging when you hear us promoting community groups that you can sign up for next week or women's ministry, which has started. And on Tuesday, ladies, there are three opportunities, early morning, mid-morning, and evening, that you can meet with other ladies. Or Band of Brothers, which begins a week from Thursday. And all of these things are to help us and encourage us because we need to be living in gospel community, spurring each other on in this love relationship with Jesus and knowing Jesus better. Paul says that I may know Him. Forgetting what lies behind, Paul says in verse 13, Brethren, I do not regard myself as living... I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind. Paul forgets those things which are behind. Many good and positive things and many evil and sinful things. There are many here this morning who have things out of your past. All of us that we are not proud of. Things in some cases that we don't think even God could forgive. And maybe you haven't been able to forgive yourself. But what about you? Do you allow the past to obstruct how you live today? Are there ghosts from the past that return to sometimes haunt you? Or some crushing guilt that torments in such a way that you have no joy today? Perhaps there's no rejoicing for you because of the past. And you may think that one who is writing Scripture could never understand all of this. And yet, listen to Paul. In verse 6, he is painting a self-portrait of himself. He says, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church. And then Luke tells us that Paul took part in the murder of the martyr Stephen. He was breathing out threatenings and slaughter. He devoted himself to the persecution of the Christians. Paul was a murderer. He was a zealous persecutor of the church. Grievous sins against God and His fellow man. But listen to what he says in verse 13. One thing I do, forgetting those things which lie behind. How is Paul able to forget his sins? He learned the truth that his sin of persecution 
and his sin of trusting in his own merits were all forgiven by God in Christ. Do you know that your sins are forgiven? Oh, you can know it in your head. But your self-talk, what you say to yourself about those things, will tell you whether or not you have truly understand the forgiveness of Christ in your heart, that you are indeed forgiven. As Paul uses the word forget, he's not saying to erase it from your memory. In fact, he has just recalled those things that he said he's forgetting. It's not an absolute forgetting. This forgetting is an active obliterating, a constant discarding of them as Paul would begin to consider the merits of his own life or his haunting sins. Paul is able to put those things behind him because he had found healing in the Lord Jesus. Forgetting is a promise to not bring it up for future ammunition against yourself or against someone else. Forgetting is not giving power to a forgiven sin. And don't you dare allow Satan to bring up once again and hold against you your sin that's forgiven. A while back, I was in Home Depot. I'm there a lot, it seems like. Um, And I bought some of the coolest ceiling paint ever. It was pink. Some of you know what I'm talking about. They've got this paint now that you apply and it's pink. And when it dries, it turns white. It's pink so that you can see if you've missed any spots. And it's it's amazing. Well, I was at the counter, and I like to go to those places that you check out yourself to see if I can do it. And so I pick up this gallon of paint, pink paint, and I'm trying to scan it, and it won't scan, and I'm twisting around, and this gallon can of paint falls. And it sounded like an explosion. Um, because it did not all stay in the can. And so I am standing there in the middle of Home Depot with everybody looking at me in the middle of this spreading pink paint. And I wanted to tell them so badly, it's really white. It it really is. And it, it goes on the ceiling. I didn't even try. I just stood there. Well, the next week, I went back. And by the counter, there was this huge, now white, stain. Is there a stain that colors you? Does the past obstruct how you live life today? Is there a crushing burden of guilt from the past? Do you miss the joy that's yours today in Christ? Are there past successes or attainments that you tend to rely on for your significance? Things that you are just too proud of and that you still trust to somehow put you in right standing with the Lord Almighty. My stain in Home Depot is now gone. I was there yesterday. It wasn't just time, though. Somebody had to clean and clean and clean, but it's gone. And any stain that would color you from your past 
is clean in the Lord Jesus. You would do well, like Paul, to forget those things which lie behind and to reach forward to what lies ahead. There's too much living to do today to be reliving the past. Yes, you must process it. You must learn from it. But we must live today. There are other things from our past that can imprison us today also and rob us of joy. What about the past hurts that you have encountered by the hand of someone else? Some have broken relationships that have hurt so badly. Some have been victims of all types of abuse by someone close to you or someone with power over you. Some here have never really felt loved and maybe never heard the words of love spoken to you. Some have been victims of the vicious, cutting tongue of others. And some have not even allowed yourself to admit that those hurts exist. Question for you. Is there someone that you need to forgive? We come to a table, a meal today that screams at us to forgive because we have been forgiven. Consume this meal. Be reminded of the forgiveness that you have been granted and grant that forgiveness to that one who has hurt you, whether that one is sitting beside you right now or whether that one died 20 years ago. You're never more like Christ than when you forgive. The story is told of King Louis XII of France as he shows all of us what to do with hurts and injustices. When Charles VIII was king, he was constantly mistreating Louis. Well, Louis came to the throne and all of Louis' aides said, you've got to get revenge on all of the people that surrounded um, King Charles. And so, in fact, um, King Louis did make up a list. And as he made that list um, of all his enemies, he put a small red cross by the name of each one. Assuming that that meant revenge was coming, many people started fleeing. And when King Louis heard that they were fleeing, he gathered his court together. And this is what he said, Be content and do not fear. The cross which I drew by your name is not a sign of punishment, but a pledge of forgiveness and a seal for the sake of the crucified Savior, who upon His cross forgave all of His enemies, prayed for them, and blotted out the handwriting that was against them. Whatever else could be said about King Louis, good or bad, um, he knew how to forgive. What about us? What do we do with those past hurts? Why not draw a red cross as a pledge of forgiveness beside the name of that one who has hurt you? Nothing shows that you have moved on from the past and nothing helps you move on from the past like forgiving. You might say, they don't deserve it. And that is the point that's crucial for us to understand and embrace. Because we did not deserve it. We did not deserve forgiveness in Christ. 
We had no merit in ourselves. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. That's Paul's point. Christ is everything here. The surpassing value of knowing Jesus. Toscanini, the famous conductor, he had just finished a tremendous Beethoven symphony. And he gathered his musicians around him. And he said, I am nothing, you are nothing. Beethoven is everything. And that's exactly what Paul is saying here in Philippians 3. I am nothing, but Christ is everything. Paul looks at the future and he says, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead. There is hopeful anticipation, not fear. Some here dread the future, the unknown, so much so that there is really paralysis in life today. Some fear illness and death. Some being hurt again. Some fear financial struggles. Some have fears regarding your children or your parents. Some fear being found out when in reality God already knows. And some fear all of the above. The future is not something to be feared by the child of the one who holds the future. Your heavenly Father holds the future securely. What about you? What is it that you fear about the future? Paul would say, don't worry. Live life now. The key, let me go back to verse 12. I think that in dealing with our past, present, and future, Paul gives it to us here. But I press on so that I may lay hold of that for which I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. Verse 12 tells us that Paul was laid hold of by Christ. And don't miss that. It's so easy to. God is always the pursuer. If you consider your story this morning, you're going to think that you were sort of pursuing God until you look deeper. Paul thought he was living his life pursuing God, that his status and his deeds were putting him in right relationship with God. But God was actually pursuing Paul. Paul was on that road to Damascus, and Jesus invaded Paul's world. God is always the initiator, the pursuer. Christ laid hold of Paul. Have you been laid hold of? By Jesus. It is only as Paul truly sees Christ for who he is and understands the forgiveness that's provided by the blood of Christ that he's able to forget the past and move forward and truly live in the presence. He lived in the present in the midst of his circumstances in jail. His focus was on Christ. And when Paul met Jesus, when he was laid hold of by God, Paul's focus changed from himself and his merits. He was now focused on Jesus who became his passion, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. And indeed, he did. We are so prone to focus on all the stuff going on around us. And we must learn to focus on Christ. Don't give up. I know that some of you here are utterly weary with life. It would not take much for you to be a basket case right here, right now, which actually would be the perfect posture to come to this table today. Get a new perspective. 
Press on with Paul to know Christ. The story is told of Paderewski, the great composer, pianist, who was backstage performing at a great concert hall here, um, preparing to perform at a great concert hall here in the U.S. And it was a high society, black tie event. There was a mother in the audience with her young son. She had brought the son hoping that the son would um, really be inspired to go home and practice and become a great pianist himself. Well, the son was restless as they were awaiting um, the arrival of the maestro. He got out of his seat unbeknownst to his mother and he appeared on stage and he sat down at the concert Grand Steinway and he began to play that which he knew, which was chopsticks. The crowd realized what was going on, and many in the crowd were indignant. And they said, get that boy away from there. Somebody stop him. Where's his mother? Well, his mother was under her chair trying to figure out what to do. Um, But Paderewski was backstage. He heard chopsticks. He heard the jeers. And he appeared on stage approaching the boy from behind. And everybody was wondering, what's he going to do? And he came up and he put his arms around the young boy. And he started playing this counter melody to chopsticks to enhance it. And he leaned over to the ear of the young boy and he said, Keep going. Don't quit. Don't stop. Keep on playing, my son. Friends, don't stop and don't quit. Keep on going. Even though right now your life and what you're doing may seem about as significant as playing chopsticks in a concert hall, Jesus is there and His arms come around you and me and they give meaning to life. And He says, don't stop, press on, for Christ is everything. If you go home and you look in that mirror and you see the scars... Know that Jesus bears His scars so that you can be healed. And if you perhaps this morning know that you are not yet His child and that you have not been laid hold of by Christ, I invite you to know Christ and the truth that you have been redeemed not with perishable things like silver or gold from your futile way of life, First Peter would say, but with precious blood as of a lamb unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ. And may all of us know that we are laid hold of by Jesus as we are washed with His blood. May we view life in all of its color and all of its beauty. By the grace of God, we can live in the present because God did not say when He was asked who He was that He was the God of yesterday, although He certainly was, And He didn't say, I am the God of tomorrow, of the future, although He certainly will be. But He said, I am now, in this moment, in the present, I am. Christ is everything now. You are His child now. And don't let the pains of the past or the fears of the future keep you from living life today. Jesus changes everything. Let's pray together. Our Father, we come this morning and confess that we often have been bound by the past, 
and also by the future, lay hold of us with such power that we will never be the same. Thank you for your forgiveness in Christ. Would you please help us to believe in the depths of our hearts that you are for us, that you have forgiven us, that you walk with us. Father, give us a zeal for knowing you and do not allow us to be complacent. We praise you that you are the same God yesterday, today, and forever. Father, we come this morning humbly bringing our tithes and our offerings before you with great gratitude for all that you've done. Father, we pray in the matchless name of Jesus. Amen.